Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work, a podcast all about Apple and the intersection of technology, education, healthcare, and the business world. I'm your host, Bradley Chambers, as always. This week, my guest is Michael Covington from Jamth. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Bradley. Good to be here again. You and I have been trying to sync up for the past few weeks, and we I think we originally tried to even connect before WWDC, and just scheduling didn't work out. I believe you had some overseas overseas travels um, uh, with uh, some European Jamf events, but uh, you know we saw a lot of news coming out of WWDC about the future of passwords. So before we get into that, um, you obviously work at Jamf. For our listeners that have never connected with you, can you give us a background on what you do in uh, a Jamf? Sure thing. So I am responsible for portfolio strategy at Jam. Um, that essentially means that I sit across our management and our security uh, products. Uh, so pretty interesting intersection as you start to look at some of the things that um, are happening in this space around uh, end user privacy preservation, uh, protecting personal devices as they start to be brought into the workplace. So um, really exciting time to be uh, at Jam and working around uh, enterprises that are adopting Apple. I think I saw a stat from, I think it was Jamf CIO, that they you all expect Jamf to be the number one endpoint in the enterprise by uh, 2030. And I, I really can't dispute that because you just see year over year Apple continuing to do well in the enterprise. And I would put a lot of that on just the idea of employee choice and people like to use Macs. Um, they like, they're comfortable with the setup, they're comfortable with, um, you know, the, the apps they have. But then... I, I really equate on the IT end, you just can't beat this hardware that's coming out of Apple right now. Uh, we, we saw the the new laptops announced at WWDC, but then I think to me the bigger the bigger news was that the M1 MacBook Air is still staying around at that $999 price point. And again, obviously, we all know if you're buying in education or you're buying in bulk or you're a nonprofit, you're going to get a little bit better of a deal. But that... Uh, M1 MacBook Air is still just an incredible computer, and I suspect it'll be an incredible u- computer for the next five plus years. Yeah, I can't dispute that. And you know, as you talk about uh, Apple's adoption at work, um, you know, it's the Macs are doing some phenomenal things. I think really uh, they've come a long way since adapt- adopting Apple Silicon. Uh, but let's not forget iOS uh, and iPad OS. I think some of the things that Apple has done around the entire user experience to make it so that you can really seamlessly transition between these devices and just keep doing whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's surfing the web or being productive. Um, I I think the experience as a whole has made it so that if you really look at the combination of uh, mobile and desktop operating systems, Apple's really already taken the lead. And I think it's a pretty exciting time. Well, if you look at the kind of the turnkey complete experience, um, if, if you said, Hey, we want to give an employee two devices, um, we want to give them three. Apple is the only one that I believe has that kind of complete to end solution uh, for what I would consider to be a true desktop computer. Now, obviously, on the Android side, you could deploy a Chromebook and Android phone and Android tablet, but uh, they're just you know Chromebook is a lim- more limited device than than the Mac is certainly. And then on the on the Windows side, there is no Windows Phone at this point. Again, you could deploy a Surface tablet and, and certainly do well with that. Those are fine devices, but Apple really just has this complete end to end ecosystem of devices. And I, and I think that's you know if you look back in you know the early part of 
what I would call the early digital transformation era. The people, the reason people went with PCs, you know, when I say people, I mean the IT departments choosing them at the time is because it was a tight integration with Active Directory, Microsoft Server, Microsoft Exchange, Microsoft Windows. And, and IT people like things to kind of blend together and work together because it makes their lives easier. Uh, not that they're lazy, it's just they need things to work well. Um, and I think you're just seeing Apple's kind of this vision of, giving devices that users love, uh, kind of coming to a culmination. But then also they've on the back end of the last 10 years, they've put a lot of work into making life easier for IT administrators to love to manage Apple devices. And again, not not giving them the tools to manage Apple devices, but getting them to love to manage Apple devices. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And that is what has really led to, I think, an embrace of Apple within businesses um, where they now feel comfortable that they've got the necessary hooks into these devices, whether they're uh, mobile platforms or Macs, to adequately manage them. And, you know, manage shouldn't be a four-letter word. There's a, a lot that you can do uh, through management that makes the end user's life better. Uh, configuring Wi-Fi. Uh, making applications easily available to them that, that they they need access to based on a role. Uh, there's a whole bunch that can be done there. And then also making it so that Apple devices fit into the security and risk needs of the organization, uh, whether it be reporting on compliance and configuration of these devices or ensuring that they've got adequate protections against some of the latest threats that are out there specifically targeting uh, Apple platforms. So uh, you're, you're spot on uh, when you refer to uh, what Apple has done to open up its platform uh, and make it more manageable and more securable uh, through enterprise tools. So at WWDC, no, again, I guess I should preface this. Like we have been talking uh, about pa- the future of passwords and we've, and I've, I've written multiple articles and had a couple of folks from the Fido Alliance on the podcast before. We've been kind of talking about like a passwordless future for a while. Now, again, let's let's recap on passwords. Everybody has way too many passwords. Most of them are unsecure. They're hard to manage. I personally, uh, I have a very, very nice password set up, but I'm one of the only people, I'm, I think I'm one of the only people in the world that doesn't hate their password setup. I use, uh, I have my password app. I've got my two-factor authentications. I'm good everywhere. But again, I recognize like I'm the anomaly in the world. The vast majority of people hate passwords. They don't know them. They use the same one for all of them and they're insecure. Now, what have what was the big announcement from Apple at WWDC related to passwords? Yeah, and I think just for for context here, as you said, you've had folks from Fido Alliance on before. You've been talking about passwordless future for some time. Apple's been working on this for some time. Um, there's a lot that I think Apple realizes is problematic with the way that we manage access today. Um, there are things that could be done to make it more streamlined, so that users get fewer prompts. Um, There's things that we can do to make uh, access more secure so that we have fewer opportunities that are exposed through these devices that end users are choosing for hackers to compromise sensitive credentials. And, you know, I think Apple's also been thinking a lot about how do we make the whole concept of user identity more practical, Um, meaning how do you address the realities of backups and cross-platform use and identity across devices and applications. Like this is not just about getting access into a device. This is about getting access to applications, the the dream that is of of a passwordless future. Um, And I think um, what I saw come out of WWDC this year is what appears to be a very viable solution for consumers to actually start making that move to passwordless. And from what we saw, it looks like it's going to be available uh, around the September timeframe uh, later this year. So uh, some really exciting innovations that 
in essence, revolve around this concept of a pass key. Uh, it's what Apple calls this uh, biometric uh, sign-in standard that um, I think they really hope is going to kill off the password for good. Well, and I think if you if you think about the prevalence of Apple's biometrics um, in their devices, they, they really, and again, this goes back to, you know, the first iteration of Touch ID and then you transition to Face ID and now you have Touch ID on the Mac and we don't have Face ID on the Mac, but, you know, it could come in any, any year. Apple's been laying the groundwork for this for some time. And, and in a way where IT professionals, I, like I had this theory that IT professionals don't want your data because they don't want, they can't lose data or have data stolen they don't have. So as an IT professional, when you think about biometrics, uh, the last thing you want is that to be tied anywhere in your HR tool or your people tool or your payroll tool. You, you don't want that synced anywhere. But like we all recognize that biometrics are a useful form of authentication because, again, my face is, I mean, again, unless we get into like Mission Impossible type things, like my face is a good indication of if that's me or not. My fingerprint is a good indication if that's me or not. And so when, when Apple's been laying these this groundwork on biometrics for a passwordless future, you, this isn't something they started in 2018. This is something that, well, I mean, first touch ID was what, like, uh, you know, iPhone 5? Like, I, I don't even remember. But it's been slowly, you know, rolling out. And then so these pass keys can be generated in a way that you can ensure that it, it, this is the user. This is how it works. It's going to authenticate them. It's this tight integration between the browser, the device, biometrics, and the and the application. But in a way where IT can say, like, look, we don't have that information. We can help you reset it in the future, but we don't have that information. Is is that something like when you talk to customers and you, you all talk to partners, is the, is Apple's approach to biometrics you know really reassuring for them? Uh, I absolutely believe so. Um, and you know, for your listeners who maybe didn't listen to the the full WWDC announcement, I think just in a nutshell. Uh, the Apple is using public key cryptography uh, as an underlying part of the solution here. And essentially what they're doing is they're leveraging that, that touch ID and face ID footprint that, that you've referenced that's already on the device that they're already used to interfacing with. And what they will do with this new model uh, that's coming out later this year is when they sign up to use a website, they will not sign up with a password. They will not create that long string of characters anymore. Uh, instead, they will use their biometrics locally on the device to create a credential that never, ever leaves that device. It's never going to be sent across the open Internet. And I think that's where you start to see Apple's commitment to privacy really, uh, I think, coming home and, and, and helping to make this solution something that end users will want to adopt. Um, there's a lot that I think that they've built into this to make it very easy for users to, to kind of get into where they've thought through the syncing across Mac and iPhone and iPad and Apple TV. Uh, they've thought through the end-to-end -end encryption between devices so that your devices are communicating, not your device in the cloud. Um, so I think that this is uh, really exciting, not just because of what it's doing for making uh, access to applications easier, but to give users more assurances that their personal information and their identity, their biometrics, are being kept private and secure and locked on the device in a, in a secure area. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Managing Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult. Mosul makes it easy. As a leader in the modern mobile device management and security for Apple and the enterprise, Mosul offers solutions for every stage of your business. If you're just starting out, try Mosul Business Free and receive the complete mobile device management feature set of Mosul Business Premium for up to 30 devices at no charge. 
If you're looking to address all of your Apple endpoint needs, MuscleFuse has you covered. The cloud-native offering combines enterprise-grade MDM, identity management, automated application installation and patching, and a multi-layer endpoint security product. Wherever you are in your Apple device journey, Mosul is there to support you. With a focus on usability, automation, and the best support on the market, Mosul delivers a new approach to Apple device management that is more powerful, efficient, and affordable than legacy solutions. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com, or you can look at the link in our show notes. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work. Yeah, and that, and that really you go back to Apple's tight integration, hardware and software, uh, where it's a secure enclave. It's not the biometric information is not syncing anywhere. I mean, again, if I set up um, again, if you want to use pass keys on iOS and, and Mac OS, you can do that. And then the pass keys can sync, but the biometric unlock information does not sync. And I think that's a clear distinction with the syncing, because, again, we want these we want these logins to be available everywhere. But if I get a new Mac or I get a new iPhone, I have to re-authenticate to that device and then reconfigure my biometric information. And again, it stays right on the device. And so, again, so if you're an end user, you know, like, hey, my, I'm, yes, I've set up biometrics on, um, on my device, but I know my IT department can't get access to that. And so you may be thinking, like, why would, why would you care? Well, I mean, like, what if you had a rogue IT employee that was doing some sort of identity theft? Like, I mean, you have you had a company of 100,000 people. That could easily happen. And IT cannot lose or lose information or information can't be leaked that people didn't have in the first place. And that's really the distinction, I think, that Apple's has done well. And again, we're, we've seen in a recent up- update to um, um, Apple's technology preview for uh, Safari that they're actually going to be bringing this to looks to be bringing this back to Mac OS Monterey as well. So if you have a Mac that uh, you know is you know not going to upgrade to Venturi anytime soon. It looks like they're bringing you know bringing that back to uh, the older version of the Mac as well. Um, I think it's exciting. I mean, from the enterprise side, how do you see different vendors implementing passkeys in the future? Yeah, that's a great question, and and you know one where we should probably just mention right out of the gate here that there was an announcement earlier this year, I think around the March April timeframe, uh, where Apple, Google, and and Microsoft uh, came together under the Fido Alliance um, and and talked about how their platforms would have interoperability um, moving forward. And so Apple's release later this year looks to be the first uh, viable consumer implementation of this technology. But we're going to expect to see Google and Microsoft follow suit and to be able to uh, utilize these pass keys between platforms. Uh, So one of the things that uh, I saw that looked quite interesting was that you could use an iPhone to log into a Windows device. You could use QR codes that would be displayed in browsers that may not necessarily be on a supported platform so that you could use a second device uh, to authenticate uh, on the original ones. There's some really exciting interoperability standards that I I think are going to be coming out that we will see this um, something that the enterprise can, can really get around. This is not going to be a subset of users that will be able to leverage this technology. This is something that looks like it's going to be available to everyone, uh, regardless of, of what platform uh, they as individuals choose. So uh, I, I've got a lot of um, hope that that Apple uh, Apple's implementation is going to be really exciting, given what we've already talked about with Touch ID and Face ID and just in terms of how seamless it's going to be to use. But being able to use that across applications and device types, that's a game changer. I mean, if you think about how does this look today? Well, you know, if you set up a two-factor authentication and LastPass or 1Password, you can use that across different platforms. So if you have an app on your Mac, 
that has a corresponding website. You can log in on the PC or a desktop PC or an Android app. This two-factor authentication. I mean, I think what you're seeing here is a development of protocols and then not platforms. And I think that's that's gives me hope that, again, this is going to be widely adopted because you do have – it's not that Apple's trying to make their own, Google's trying to make their own, Microsoft's trying to make their own. They're all, they're all saying, like, we're going to adopt this protocol, this technology, and we're going to embed this technology into our platforms, but in a way where you can easily use it across different platforms. And I, and I think that's when that's when you see we'll see massive adoption uh, is when you see companies building around protocols and not platforms. Yes. And, and you, you uh, I think, raised a really interesting point there around uh, companies developing around these protocols is that this is going to take a village. This is not something that these three big tech vendors are going to solve independently uh, or even through their own uh, consortium. You need all the application developers that are out there. You need all the other device manufacturers that aren't just the, the typical form factors that we're interfacing with uh, every day. Uh, to to utilize these standards so that you can access all of these things uh, utilizing this one pass key uh, standard. Um, And I think that that's where the standards-based approach um, um, is one that is likely to to be the successful path here because it's the only way you're going to get people uh, to utilize this across all devices and applications that they interface with every day. Well, and and I think if you think about like what's the motivation for Apple, Microsoft, Google? I mean, obviously, these companies are are for-profit companies. They like to drive... Revenue, drive services, revenue, sell hardware. But I think when users trust technology more, that's that's good for that's good for the business. So if if a customer again, think about just like mobile banking, if a customer is using a pass key for mobile banking, and that means that a bank account is harder to hack. That's good for Apple, that's good for Microsoft, that's good for the end user. Bad for hackers, but uh, you're seeing this like evolution of where it's gonna be harder for people to make dumb decisions with passwords and passkey is going to enable that. Yeah. And we, we've already talked about it at the top here where passwords are just horrible (laughs) and we we've seen uh, users misuse them many times over the years, weak passwords, removing their passwords, um, giving them away by clicking on phishing links. Um, And then the, the two factor authentication we've even seen now where hacking has evolved to a point where the, the, the two FA is being targeted um, and I think that this technology is arriving at, at the right time. It's just within the last one to two years, we've seen more attacks around uh, identity infrastructure. Uh, having this technology locked down on the device, uh, tied to biometrics, easy to use, and also taking away the, the potential for user-initiated mistakes, uh, I, I think is, is absolutely the right way to go. So I'm really excited. I think this is um, uh, later this year is going to be some really exciting times to get this on, on my devices and start to kick the tires a bit. Yeah. Again, this comes to be out this fall. Um, Apple um, has said it's going to be at some point part of iOS 16, uh, the new version of macOS. Now, again, will it, you know, it's likely not going to be available in your enterprise apps day one. We'll, we'll see how this evolves. I think this is going to be, just, just like how right when pass, uh, you know, Touch ID came out and Face ID came out, like maybe all your apps didn't add it at once, but over time it just became the default in a way that you just kind of didn't realize. And pretty soon you realize, like, hey, every app is tied to 
biometrics that's securely stored. I think Passkey is going to be the same thing. So I think this is going to be exciting times for Jamf and, and others to get, to get to innovate around it. And it ultimately, it's going to be good for end users. And anything that's good for end users is good for the business. It's good for every vendor around it. And so we look forward to uh, getting kind of getting your hands on it in production this fall. Uh, Michael, thanks for coming in on the show again this week. Uh, again, exciting, you know, small. It's one of those, this was one of those announcements that like Apple made a big deal about. But I think us in the enterprise industry realize like this is a fundamental shift that's going to change how we manage user access for the next two decades. So it's really going to be some exciting uh, days ahead. Yeah, it absolutely is. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Thanks, everybody, for listening this week. And we'll be back with another episode in the coming days. Thanks. All right.